Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Goalmouth Ramble, the weekly football podcast brought to you every Thursday by myself, Nick, and my two co-hosts, which you know by now, which are Reese and Jacob. How are you both today? Pretty good, man. It's good to have you back. Hosting last week was very stressful. Yeah, that's, that's, um, when I've been on podcasts before, I do I do enjoy sitting in the um in the, the non main host in the guest mm. chair yeah it's good fun i, did, um, I didn't but you th- mind hosting it to be fair but it was, there were various points where i just forgot oh yeah i've got to do this as well <laughs> it's like a tightly run ship you've got over there so i appreciate all that well thank you very much for filling in for me That's at short sad. notice i say i was i was out on site with work and now i could feel and we got stuck in a massive thunderstorm I'd driven for two and a half hours on the motorway in a thunderstorm, got stuck in a field in the middle of a thunderstorm. I had like the absolute thumping headache coming on, um, which I am very prone to, especially at this time of year, weirdly. If any listeners know why that is, please let me know why I get migraines in autumn. Um, Pivot to a medical podcast. So, uh, but yeah, so thank you for filling in at sh- short notice. And uh, Jake, same to you as well. You both, both, uh, as I say, steered the ship very, very uh, adequately in my absence. We don't need you. I know. <laughs> so... That's kind of what I was hinting at. That's, <laughs> this might be it. It's, well, if, uh, depending how things go with um, a certain uh, team this weekend or in the immediate future, I don't know if I'll have a place on this podcast anymore. Can I? Can I talk about Premier League teams and From not the, be yes, representative? That's a good point. Yeah. We'll have to see. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it, inevitably. Um, but it is good to be back. Um, I missed it last week. Um, and this week, uh, we've got pretty much, you know how uh, listeners know how the show runs these days. Um, we start off with a team of the week. Um from Jake provides that, so you go through all the, all the uh, games from um, game week nine and who are the star performers. Uh, then we're going to have a uh, discussion about a particular topic, which this week it can only be about one man and one team, really, and that's Mr. Solskjaer and his mm-hmm. tenure at Manchester United and all the drama that's uh, revolving around that. We're then going to preview uh, all the uh, um, games coming up in game week 10. And then finally, we'll be going to Reese's Fantasy Football Corner. Yeah. Which I believe was quite uh, quite spicy this last week. There was it quite was a few points flying. Finally, around. after a few weeks of low scoring, it was a very big <clears> week this week. Good, I'm looking forward to that. It was a couple, it was my best week for a long time. Which Mine's it's weird when you when you actually remember to put your team together. How much that actually helps. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to remember that for the future. Uh, but good. But say we've got a busy show, so we'll waste no time. Mr. Barnes, we'll hand over to you to uh, mm-hmm. take us through the. Goldmouth Ramble, team of the week for game week nine. Go ahead. Absolutely. I'll, I'll fly through this because we've got a lot to talk about. Um, so, we, I mean, we, you talked about the, the high-scoring week um, on fantasy football. It was very much a, a mad week for players getting hat-tricks and mm. absolutely smashing it last weekend. Loads so, of goals. Yeah, Loads of gold. Really difficult to not pick a I'm sure like, I six strikers. That, by the way. Sure, oh, you say it every it, week. Say I know, but week. I feel like I was right this week in that we had loads of goals and I was spot on. It, it wasn't so, one thing week. I did. One thing I want to pick up that I did listen to mm. and did hear you both say when my absence was: I predicted that West Ham were going to beat Spurs one nil, mm. and you were both like, "He's an absolute clown. He has no idea what he's talking <laughs> about. This is going to be like three two, two two. 
Um, nah, in in truth, my my disdain for that prediction was very much rooted in bias. So, <laughs> but no, that was a high high scoring weekend. Mm, it was. It was. We could have easily had about six strikers in this team this week, but that is not a formation that we will play. So, um, <laughs> we'll go for a four three three. Yeah, four three three this week. Um, in goal we have Allison who. The scoreline would suggest that probably wasn't troubled too much, but he did he did have a, a, a decent amount to do against Manchester United. Um, very, very solid in goal. It's his second appearance in this team of the week. I trust no, your third, third appearance. You're the sorry. one who's keeping track of it. Yeah, third appearance in the team of the week um, after nine weeks. So he's, he's pushing Edward Mendy for a place in the team of the season. Um, I think Mendy's still... Still pips him. I know. I know. Mendy again didn't have too much to do, uh, but he did make a really good save. Mendy as well. Oh, that, that um, one save was excellent. Yeah, so. really, really good save. But no, Allison, brilliant as always. He, like Liverpool in general, looks to be the Allison of of two seasons ago, and kind of shaken off the the mistakes of last year. He's looking very, very consistent between the sticks. Um, moving into defence, this was a really difficult one at right back. Um. I had to give it to Tino Livramento. Um, he was absolutely fantastic for Southampton at the weekend. Reese James was also absolutely brilliant and, and would, if I could pick two right backs, I would. Um, Trent was also amazing as well, as always. Mm-hmm. Um, we sound like Gareth Southgate, don't we? Um, but, no, <laughs> Livramento <laughs> is another English right back as well, isn't he? I know he is got, another English right back. I think it's yeah. Portuguese heritage or something, but he does yeah. have English in it as well. He he was brilliant. Um, he he could have scored probably a hat trick if anything with with some of the efforts the um, that he had and you know he took his goal really well, bombing down the right hand side, which as listeners know we love from our fullbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he looks to have a really good season ahead of him. And credit to you, Reese. I remember in possibly the first show, mm-hmm. uh, you did call him out as a, a potential little star for Southampton. Hot prospect. Well yep. Yeah. <laughs> I think He's, um, this man knows his stuff. He was he was earmarked as you know re- real the next big thing at Chelsea, mm. and um, the only reason that he went off was because we have you know Aspilicueta and Reese James ahead mm. of him. Have Chelsea think... got a an option on him for like I'm in sure... three years' time when they inevitably want to sign him back? For yeah, like I'm sure there's some buyback clause. They've I think they've learned <laughs> the lesson from other signings or other sales they've made, like Lukaku for example, that they have put these clauses into their players in these days but i i can't see liramenta coming back just because of no. how good like reese james is reese james is what like 22 he'd only old. be coming back as a backup wouldn't exactly you, let's be honest. So, yeah oh, he, he, you know long may this run continue for liramenta it's very exciting to see he's like is he 18 as well yeah he's yeah. 18 really good Definitely. really good uh he doesn't look it when he's out there playing he looks um years ahead so i had to give it to him for for fairness because there's a few chelsea players that are in and could have been in this team as well. But oh, they, um, did they have a good game at the weekend? Yeah, <laughs> kind of all right. Just a little one. Um, mm, didn't follow it. Must have <laughs> <laughs> Moving into centre-back, we have Angelo Ogbonna, who did a very, very good job of keeping Harry Kane quiet on the weekend. Um, it seemed that every single ball that anyone tried to throw through to Kane, um, Ogbonna was just there first. He was reading the game really, really well. Very clear that he was put on that duty to keep Kane quiet and keep Spurs quiet in turn, and it it, it worked unfortunately. Um, 
to an absolute T. Yeah. They didn't have a single shot in the second half, which is mental. That's it. it. Kane was was absent again because he was marked and and watched out of the game by Abona. Um, Alongside him, we have Ibrahima Konate from Liverpool, who equally just as solid at keeping the more dangerous Man United side quiet um, in the 5-0 win. For Liverpool, he... It could have been him or Van Dijk, but I was I was probably more impressed with Canate to come in and, and command the defence in the way that he did. Um, yeah, I think that was like his first sort of high-profile yeah. start. I think he started a couple of like games against lower opposition, but I think that was his first high-profile start. Mm. The way, yeah, the way he played there alongside Van Dijk looks like that could be the answer to their centre-half. Not problem, I won't say problem, but you know they, they had that little gap where they need someone who's going to be Consistently partnering Van Dyke and Canate. Yeah. Joe like Gomez. Joe Gomez should have been that man, but his injury. Yeah, just that's keep, it. Keep cropping it's up. And Canate looks better. He really does. He looks. He looks like a the real deal. Um, and it was quite fun to see him pushing <coughs> Fred around as well. I'm sure, everyone's seen the <laughs> the videos and the memes of that. Um, he's a big guy. So, yeah, looks good. Looks good. Um, at left back we have. The left back who cannot stop scoring, getting a bit ridiculous now, uh, Ben Chilwell. <laughs> I, I heard the other day he's the first Chelsea player to score in is it six games in a row since row. since how oh, is it oh. yeah. um, since Hazard? Yeah, apparently. Which is an insane Crazy. Stat. Yeah. Um, yeah. Considering so, as well, play. like at the start of the season, there were big questions around his sort of mental uh-huh. space mm. because of the whole England debacle over the summer and. He couldn't get back in the Chelsea team at the start of the season, so for him mm. to be on this run of form now, fair play to them. Unreal. Fair play to him. Really good, really good. And, and the goals he's scoring are decent as well. You know, they're not just pop-up-at-the-back-post left-backs. Lovely strike. Mm. Really, really good. Um, so he nearly made it in last week, um, but I, I went for Reguilón, and then this week he, he has to be in. He's, he's deserved it for the last few weeks. Um, so very strong defence we have there. Moving into midfield, there's a, there's a couple of names in the rest of this team now that have, have been popping up week after week, and it's it's hard to leave them out. Um, I like to mix it up and be a bit, you know, have a bit of variety, but these guys are making it difficult for me to do that. So Bernardo Silva is in again. Um, City were brilliant uh, at the weekend. Any, you know, we could have looked at potentially uh, Gundogan or someone like that, but Silva's just absolutely smashing it again similar to Chilwell what you just said there Nick you know a player that at the start of the season might not have been here or definitely didn't look like he was going to be the main man and and starting every week but he is instrumental to City at the minute and he's there's literally not a game goes by that he doesn't get a goal or an assist or or do something crucial Um, so fair play to him He's, he's nailing that team of the season place at the minute that's for sure uh, alongside him, Reese will be very, very happy. Had to be. Uh, Mason Mount had to be in there. Ronaldinho himself. <laughs> Ballon d'Or nominee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Showing why he, he deserved that with the hat trick there. Um, you know, it, it, his performance was brilliant. He's, he took his goals really well. It, it's been a while since he scored, though, isn't it? Reece? 25 games or something like that, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and very interesting that. That he scored his <laughs> first goal in a while. <laughs> Fascinating. <laughs> 25 games and then along come Norwich. Um, 
yeah, hat trick for Mount. Again, there was a lot of Chelsea players that could have been in this midfield, but to keep it a little bit varied, I've gone for Mount, the star of the show. And then alongside those two in the middle of the park, I've gone for Naby Keita, who is is really flourishing this season. I think there's there's been big question marks over his kind of um, consistency and, and, you know, whether he can nail down that place in the Liverpool midfield in in uh, last season. But he looks to be coming good this year. Uh, got another goal, which is good to see him kind of popping up. That's, I think that's two for the season now in the league. Um, well-taken goal as well. And he he looks to be a really dynamic midfielder. You know, he's, he's that still... Was the, yeah, that was the best game I've seen him have for Liverpool. I agree with that, yeah. I'm sh- that I've actually watched myself. Some Liverpool fans might be able to point to other examples, but that I've seen with my own eyes, that was yeah, the best I've seen was. him play for Liverpool. He's, I think um... there's still question marks over his kind of defensive abilities, but then mm. in a game like on, on you know Sunday, he was not needed defensively. I so, think that side's getting better as well, to be fair. I can yeah, see yeah, I that think improving. He was, I think he was at fault for, was it at fault for both of the goals that Atletico scored in midweek mm. before the yeah, United was, game? yeah. Um, so I think he has that kind of game in his locker, which is something he'll obviously need to um, to uh, iron out if he's mm. going to be a mainstay in the Liverpool midfield. But yeah, he was amazing. Against yeah, really looking good. Looking good. Off. Yeah, I've did. I haven't seen any news that he's long term injury after that. I did. No, see that. I think there's maybe it was just bruising. But yeah. I, don't, I don't know if there's. It was a, confirmation it was a very that. bad challenge. By oh, shocking! Yeah, really bad. Um, and then moving into the the attacking. Part of the team getting bored of saying this, but Mo Salah in again, obviously. Um, <laughs> more of the week, no. Oh, I haven't gone for player of the week for him this week. The next player that I name is going to be player of the week. Um, Mo Salah, obviously, hat trick. What can we say? It's just getting a bit ridiculous now. We've, we've debated it on the show every week. He is definitely the best player in the world at the minute. I think the only person at the minute that can hold a candle to him is Lewandowski. Yeah. And I think those two at the minute are just so far ahead of the field. Mm. He, it's, yeah. gonna be a, it's a two-man race for the Ballon d'Or at the minute, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd be very surprised if he if he doesn't get it. And it's it's a weird one. I can't I can't imagine a week where he doesn't do something. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's mm. in that kind of form where you cannot bet against him popping up with a, a goal. Um so yeah, could have could have been star of the week. As I say, there's a lot of players that could have been this week, but the player that I've gone for is Josh King as player of the week mm-hmm. this week, star of the week. Um, you know, I think partly down to the the story and the context behind it. Of obviously had a, a bit of a torrid time at Everton. Um, never, I think he never started a game for them. Played something like 108 minutes, I think it was, um, in his time there. So you know, and I and I know he publicly came out and said that he was mistreated when he was there and stuff. Um, Regardless of that, you know, we don't know the ins and outs of that, but it's it's always good to see a player come out and deliver a performance like that against his old team when when the context is like that, and you know, a massive win for Watford uh, turned the result around from. A losing position to destroy Everton five two is absolutely huge for for Watford, especially as a reaction to the result they had against Liverpool the week before. They needed exactly this kind of result, and I was just really impressed with Josh King's kind of hunger to get on the ball and, and finish. And the way he finished all of his goals was was really impressive. So I've given him the star of the week this week, partly for 
the goals and the ability, but also partly for the kind of shithousery of, of scoring against his old team as well. Was it his second goal where he kind of like, it was a one yes. touch, he took it down and then he just passed it into the corner from yeah. Pickford. It was like a breakaway. I loved that yeah. goal. It was so really nice. Yeah, he looked he looked good, and that's you know we've seen we've seen signs of that over his career that he could he could be a, a good Premier League striker, well, I say top Premier League striker, but a good Premier League striker. And I think he's never really hit that run of form and, and proven it. But if he carries on like that, then this could be a good season for him and for Watford. Um, I think if they stay up, they'll need him to keep firing like that. Um, and then the final player for the team of the week is Phil Foden. Um. Yeah, got to be. Um, really good performance for City again. Obviously, a lot of players stood out, as I said. I think Grealish was really good as well. Um, but Foden, a couple of goals. One of them, potentially very lucky um, to come off him. But just the way he's playing since coming coming back into the team after the summer has been really, really good to see. I think, you know, in, in the same kind of way as someone like Trent Alexander-Arnold, it's brilliant to see these young English players keeping up this form or returning to the form and he's slotted straight back into the City team and looks irreplaceable again in that team which is fantastic um, for such a young talent and if he is going to win Young Player of the, of the Year again this year then he's going the right way about it at the minute with uh, his recent performances so well done Phil Foden Good, thank you for that Jake um, The evil eared amongst our listeners will have noticed that there were no Man United players in the team of the week. Uh, Oh, sorry, I forgot forgot to include them. Sorry. (laughs) For good reason. Um, I think we need to talk about what's going on at Man United. Um, It is. I'm loving it. Because it's a mess, isn't it? It I mean, I know the three of us, the three of us were sat before we (laughs) start, uh, before that game kicked off on Sunday. And we all just said to each other, I just love to see an absolute thrashing by Liverpool here. Just because, I don't know about the two of you, but I'm just so, I'm just sick of Solskjaer. I'm I'm not even a United fan. If I was a United fan, I'd be tearing my hair out at Solskjaer. Um, But this is, of course, the reaction after Man United lost 5-0 at home to Liverpool, meaning that... Uh, Paul Scholes sucking his daughter's toes wasn't the most embarrassing thing associated <laughs> with Manchester United this week. Um, that was incredible, by the way. When when Twitter yeah. is on form with that kind of thing, it's just the best place to be. It's so it funny. Is elite content on it Twitter is. when that kind of thing happens. Um, but, right, so where I stand with Ali Gunnar Solskjaer is when he came into the club, he had one job which was to unify Manchester United Football Club yeah. um, after a bit of a tumultuous uh, Mourinho tenure that started out pretty well. Like, he won the Europa League, and, uh, but then, as in true Mourinho fashion a few years later, it all gone a bit sour. And So Solskjaer was there to unify the club, a club legend. Um, so seemed like a... <laughs> Fair, despite not having the most sort of managerial pedigree, it was kind of a logical uh, appointment at the time because Man United didn't really seem in contention of winning anything, really. Um, they just needed a figurehead and a face to bring everybody together and get everybody singing off the same hymn sheet and make everybody smile again. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer did that, to be fair to him, in his first season. Mm-hmm. But I swear, I, I maintain that's where it should have ended. 
Like, I have no idea why they kept him on, and I have no idea why they gave him a four-year contract this summer. Mm. Um, it screams, to me, from the outside, of a situation where you bring Ollie in to steady the ship, um, sort of from a football and a commercial standpoint as well, because a bad Man United team is not a, 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 a thing that anybody wants to really put any money behind, uh, sponsorship-wise. So he did that. So then you give, but then the, it's the perfect opportunity to pass those foundations over to somebody else um, who is actually an elite football manager. And I'm sorry, but when you are in a domestic league where you are trying to beat or finish above a team that is managed by Klopp, Guardiola, Guardiola, Tuchel, just that's just, they are three of the best managers in the world. Mm. Mm. And I don't care how good Man United's squad... Well, for starters, Man United's squad isn't as good of any, either, any, any of those three teams. And then having a manager like Solskjaer in comparison to those three managers puts you at a disadvantage as well. So if you've got genuine aspirations of winning the Premier League, which a club like Man United should do, mm-hmm. realistically, despite how they have been over the last 10 years, they're still a club with a lot of money that's spending a lot of money that has some really world-class players in its team. They should be attempting to win the league. But... We're in the end of October. They're out the out of the Premier League title race already, barring some bizarre occurrences from you're not only United but those three teams I mentioned earlier. Mm. Um, and we're back where we were and back where we always are with United and have been for the last eight years. And it's just painful. Well, it's not. Well, it's painful. If you're a Man United fan, it's hilarious if you're not a Man United fan. <laughs> um, but it's just painful to see them making the same mistakes over and over and over again. Um, and it's the Solskjaer contract is not the only odd decision. I've, I've realised I'm, I'm ranting here about I'll pass it over to you guys in a minute. Not the only odd decision that they've made at United. Like, they signed Eric Bailly and Mata to new contracts in the summer. I forgot Mata was even... I thought yeah. he'd retired. Mm. Like, why have they kept him? Again, he might be a, lo- a dressing room uh, presence and stuff like that. But a club like Man United should be ruthless. Football, professional sport is the one of notoriously the most ruthless environments there is on the planet. Yeah. Bailly is so bad that Solskjaer rushed um, Maguire back into action against <laughs> Leicester. Mm. And and he looked terrible against, terrible against Leicester. He Still probably better than Bailly, Liverpool. though. And that's the thing, but they gave um, by his injury history, and they gave him a new contract in the summer. Mm. Pogba, in all likelihood, is going to leave on a free transfer when you've, there's a player you've signed for ninety million pounds, and then he's going to be leaving on a free transfer four years later. What kind of like management of, of management asset uh, asset management is that? Mm. Uh, signing Sancho public publicly going after him for two years and saying we want Jaden Sancho. It was the worst kept secret in football. So they then went and spent £85 million on him. And now he can't get in the team because they've signed Ronaldo and are playing a system that doesn't doesn't suit him. Sancho at all. So they've spent two years chasing him, two years planning for him, and now he's here and he's sat on the bench because they've binned all that off to sign Ronaldo on a whim because he might have joined City. I, get, I think that might have been an ultimate bluff by Guardiola, by the way, which if it was, mm. was just incredible. Jeez. Van der Beek is, <laughs> is another one that sits in that same category like... Why have they signed Van der Beek? Solskjaer clearly doesn't like him. So that was clearly just somebody from above that signed him without agreeing with Solskjaer that they were going to sign him. So what's going on internally in terms of the hierarchy and decision-making? There's no coherent plan. It's just chaos. And 
if it was any other manager and any other player uh, that is wasn't an ex Man United legend, he'd have been long fired by now. Yeah. But Man United has turned into a job for the old boys place. You've got Carrick, who's a member of the coaching staff, who's learning on the job. You've got Fletcher, who's a member of the coaching staff. Mike Phelan was coaching a coll- uh, a, a six-form college game in Burnley when he got a phone call from Solskjaer saying he wants him to come and join the Man United coaching team. Like, it's a job for the old boys. And for a club like Man United that wants to be competing at the top and should be ruthlessly trying to get to that point is making an absolute mockery of itself. There's my piece. Done. Right, I'll pass it, <laughs> I'll pass it over it to, to you, Jake, or Reese, whoever wants to pick up on that whilst I go and go for a walk and calm myself down. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I just want to add one quick point about Solskjaer <clears throat> before I let you speak, Jake, because my biggest issue with Solskjaer is I, he has ridden the coattails of 1999 for his entire career. And you see it in his interviews that he's always talking about the United way and this is how we do things here. But that's not specific enough. And it's just, you know, thinking about using the club stature to win games, which is not how any football game works. And I think I was talking with my dad over the weekend about this and how Solskjaer as a manager, he doesn't have a clear plan game by game. He just goes into it and then he keeps saying interviews. Oh, I'll tell him to go out there and then express yourself. Go and play your game. You know, exp- talk, do what you want to do. That's, that's bullshit. It's, it you can work. <laughs> he doesn't change game to game. I no. could sit there three hours before a Man United game and tell you with at least 90, whatever, 100% divided by 11 is. Like, almost <laughs> get certain guarantee what the starting 11 will be because he's so yeah. stubborn with his team mm-hmm. selection. So stubborn with his team selection, and then has and then United spent the best part of a week between the um Leicester and Liverpool game saying dividing the fan base, saying you all need to get behind Sasha and the players, and those of you who criticize him aren't real Man United fans. What are you talking about? Mm. Stop like stop this PR like press spinning that's going on. Yeah, like United fans are well within their rights. Just look at what Sasha is doing with his players and saying well, this isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know the players are playing mm-hmm. for him. Look at look at Pogba at the weekend. Brought mm-hmm. him on at half time, got sent off after ten minutes, and was smiling and laughing as he walked yeah. down the tunnel. Yeah. That, like, was, that was telling it's... the way he walked off the pitch. I thought, even if it's... you even if you you know you, you like your manager and you're playing for your manager, if you get sent off, you don't leave the pitch. Like yeah, there's that. cameras. You know, pe- whatever you say is going to get caught and seen by someone mm. that'll go viral like, like you, you that. know what it was doing yeah norwich were having a meltdown at the weekend as we'll get to later uh, for my second round to the show coming later um <laughs> that uh ben gibson got sent off and there's rumors that norwich players are maybe falling out with farker and stuff but he got sent off he wasn't smiling he was living with himself mm. walked down the tunnel and was seen on on camera like punching the shit out of some advertising boardings and I like, put his fist through an advertising board. That's like, the way you do he it. Was, he was angry about it. He wasn't <laughs> la- laughing. Walk, like the smile <laughs> on Pogba's face is, well, there's a there's a picture that was captured mm. that's going around. It's yeah. just, I don't know. When you're 5-0 fa- down to your biggest rivals at home, I don't know. Pogba gets a lot of grief <clears> in the <throat> press. I think it's a, he gets a lot more grief than he actually deserves. Yeah, but when yeah. something like that actually, when he does something like that, you think, oh, come on, man, you've got to be more sort of mm. streetwise than that. It's just... It is a chaos. It's a, just a message. The biggest issue I have with 
and they they're obviously going to give him the Spurs game, um, yeah. which inevitably he'll go out and win and do the exact cycle that every, the Solskjaer's done for the last two years at United is. Everybody's questioning him. He'll go and have a month where he wins four games in a row, and then he'll be shit for three months, and then we'll just repeat the cycle again and again and again. But my issue with giving him this if i was in charge of united i'd have fired him on monday morning mm. um because to me there has to be accountability and what kind of a message does keeping him in post send when you get battered five nil by your closest rivals at home like on tv that's being shown to around the world to m- hundreds of millions of people and you put in that kind of performance and you mm. don't go and fire him and therefore, there is no accountability for it. What kind of message did that show? It shows that it's acceptable. Worse. What was worse for me was that was Solskjaer's then interviews afterwards about saying how, oh, this team has come so far. We're so close to achieving what we want to achieve. How is losing 5 0 to your biggest rivals close to achieving what you want to achieve? Like, surely that's the kind of game where you think this is where we're going to stamp our authority to show the world how far United has come in the last few years under Solskjaer. Yeah, we're in the, we're in the top four. We can mm. compete with the best and you just get absolutely blown away. They did. Like Liverpool, Liverpool were good, but they weren't amazing. They've they played better than be. that. They've played better they than that. They didn't have to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. I, think, I think Liverpool, you could tell that Liverpool knew they didn't need to turn it on. Yeah. Liverpool, could have scored, Liverpool could have scored 10. In the last half yeah. an hour, they were just... They weren't even trying. No, they were No, no. I think, I think what's really shocking is Man United finished second last season. Let's remember, they were they were the title challengers last season, and the the amount that they've gone backwards and the other teams have gone forward. Fair enough. That the gap is big because of that as well. How well Chelsea, Liverpool, and City have advanced, but Manchester United have took a massive step back. Yeah, and that gap between the top three and everyone else but Man United especially who should be the top four should have been nailed on this year let's be honest yeah and Manchester United are making that a very open race for fourth place at the minute like there's there's a a lot of teams that could easily chase them down and and dump them out of the top four and in like already seventh like this is it and I mean you know that it looks like I don't know. I know a lot of people connected to the club. I think Gary Neville as well, particularly, was was saying they'll give him till the end of the season and keep him in for the rest Why? of the season. What What I could can't... you learn about what could What could you possibly learn about Solskjaer in the next seven, six to seven months that you don't already know? He's He's absolutely hit his limit, and mm-hmm. uh, let's 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 be balanced and be and be nice and and you know what I mean and, and be fair to him. Is it, he seems like a all right guy, I guess. In, in, yeah, he did he have a big like a part of it. To me, I don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, honest, I don't. I don't like his his handling of the press and stuff. But I, I always feel sorry for people, you know, when it's when it's like this. But as fun as it is to see. Manchester oh United yeah, like this is people's now. actual like livelihoods yeah. and lives. What we're talking mm. about, like I never like to see people struggling, but mm. like like we said, his stubbornness and the way he handles mm. the press and the way he like he kind of brings <clears> it upon himself. Um, oh yeah definitely and I think it's it's super obvious that he's done everything he possibly can within his skill set he's not going to get I don't think he's going to get better as a manager ever I think he's done everything he's done probably more than would be expected of someone like I mean. him at Man like, United what, he's not in the next six seven months to the end of the season he's not suddenly going to turn into Guardiola no. No. like you know 
you what could you possibly learn about him that you don't already know if you're the Man United hierarchy? Nothing. And I think the I think the big problem is well, two things for me to say. One the first thing is he's definitely lost the dressing room. Or maybe oh, not yeah. all of it, but the majority of it, or the big the big figures in that dressing room have definitely I think the lost signing face. of Ronaldo probably puts a big puts that in as well. I mm. don't think Ronaldo's necessarily like a disruptive for disruptive force. But like I've said before on this show, he's not come to United to piss about for two years. You could you could mm. see how few, just just fed he up angry, he was. In it? fact, yeah, like yeah. It, it looked we'll, like I have made player, the wrong decision. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind and of thing. Player power is as big now as it ever has been. So especially he'll at a club like that, he'll be in conversations with his agents and with his sponsors and with the mm. higher ups at Man United, saying, "I don't want to be part of this shit. Like, do something mm. about it." Well, we know how close and, him and him and Fergie are, and obviously Fergie still has a massive influence at Man United. You know, he was he was sat in the stands at the weekend, like oh, that clip, like, um, that clip that showed Ferguson, like, and then he reminded like, me of cut um, to Dalglish was so funny. <laughs> that was good. That was good. No, Ferguson reminded me of um, Joaquin Phoenix's character in Gladiator. What's he called? You'll know, Nick. Uh, Jesus. No. Uh, no uh... Commodus, yeah. That's it. I, all I, I was, I was waiting for him to do a little thumbs down. Thumbs it? down. <laughs> from the Fucking killing. Do you know what I mean? And it's he is. Solskjaer's lost the faith of the big players, the big, the big people around the club. Clearly, um, there's a fascinating um, article in the Athletic about that, about kind of in the dressing room. Was that the players. the question that they asked? Yeah, and they're like, yeah. "Oh, who is to blame? Is it the, is it you guys or is it the guy?" Telling us what to Asking do. Asking the question, yeah. yeah. And half and half the team had decided that it was Solskjaer. Exactly. Yeah. Like there are alarm bells that you've that you've seen in previous you know teams. Like that's what happens to teams like Chelsea and um, I guess Watford as well to a point. Teams that just kind mm. of cycle through managers. That is mm. the end of it. When players start questioning the actual manager, he's lost it. The players yeah. aren't going to play for him anymore. Like you might as well pack it up and start again. I think I think one of the big problems for Man United in in how long Solskjaer has kept this job for is they are they seem to be kind of reviewing it on a game by game basis and like you said Nick he always seems to pull out a result just when it looks like one more will kill him he gets the result that he needs and they need to look at it as a bigger picture of the past and the present and the future and think yeah, he keeps pulling How out these results, but yeah, like, a Man- Manchester United should never be in a position, a club like Manchester United should never be in a position where they even have a manager at risk of being sacked, really. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're Manchester- one of the biggest clubs. They should be successful. If they're Manchester not, then United, it's not working. Manchester United should not be in a position where you ask any fan of any of the other mm. 19 clubs in the Premier League, would you take Manchester United's manager? Yeah. And every single fan of every single other 19 clubs would say no. Yeah. I doubt Norwich's season has been a shambles, but you will not find a single Norwich fan who would take Solskjaer as your manager. Well, there we go. Not one. I guarantee it. it. <laughs> and, for, for like, and for that to be Man United's manager that we're talking mm. about, yeah, that's danger. That's, that's danger zone. Mm. Um, Boils down to me where I just don't think he's got the kind of personality that that, that that dressing room needs. I don't think some of the names being tossed around like Conte and stuff, when I think how Conte would address and um, uh, and build that dressing room compared to how I imagine... I mean, we're not in there, so it's all conjecture, but Solskjaer doesn't have, to me, look like he has that... Um, 
presence no. and yeah. authority because that 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 dressing room is full of egos let's not be honest mm, pogba mm. is an ego ronaldo is as big a ego as it gets mm. um and i don't i just i just don't think he has the authority can you can you imagine or the standing in the game to to to, no, to he say it doesn't can you imagine the difference in in atmosphere with Solskjaer walking in and trying to tell people what to do and then conte coming in oh, I know, yeah. and telling people this is what you're fucking doing like that would be every player in that dressing room would sit up and listen i'm sure and if they don't conte then i'm sure has, you show them the door you know as you know someone who has experience obviously conte's manager not he hasn't managed me obviously but as a fan of this club <laughs> um conte has that energy that you can tell transmits the players and also the fans like mm. you see him on that touchline and he's kicking every ball screaming down the line like that is what the players really want like it the, all the best players, they want the clear instruction. That's why t- people like Guardiola and Tuchel are so impressive right now because they are absolutely in control of what their players do at every moment of the game. They're always on the touchline giving instructions, saying, oh, you, you need to be closer, go further away, push up higher. Like They are managing it from the sidelines. And that was that's the downfall of Sasha right now is that He's not changing things in game. He just kind of stands on the side looking. You watch that. Watch well, that first half. He. Di- I didn't see him out of. I saw him out of his seat when the first goal went mm. in. I did not see him out of his seat on the sideline for the rest of the first half. It's because he doesn't on, know what to do. Sky exactly. He does yeah. not know what to do when they're losing. Someone. Else, someone said it on Sky. I think that, and I've, I've been saying it all all season. If Manchester United are winning, he's absolutely fine. He knows what to do. He can. He can probably see out a, a result when they're winning. When they're losing, he hasn't got a, a clue at all. He doesn't know how to turn a result around. I know he did it against Atalanta, fair play, but so what? That doesn't there count. Was, there you was know, that's... as well an interesting insight into his style in that, again, that athletic article the other day. that talks about how he just delegates jobs amongst his staff. So it yeah. says things like, people like Carrick will take training sessions. Phelan will be the one to give instructions on the sideline during games. What does he do? Like, I know that delegation is a part of being a good manager or whatever. Yeah. But that's in an office. You've got to get stuck team. in there. Yeah. Like, this, there is, you have the higher, you know, you have the authority above everyone else in theory. Why are you just making everyone else do the jobs that you should be doing? Like, that doesn't tell the players that you have ultimate power there. That just mm. tells them, oh, we're, we can report to any of these people. Like, it's just, it doesn't work. And it also, it also shows that you don't have faith in your own ability and your exactly. own and your own, your own um, voice and... ideals and stuff yeah. Yeah, yeah like it's oh i just he's the wrong he's he as i said right at the beginning of this section he was the perfect man at the time mm. to come in and balance the ship he's club legend he came in and got that result against psg um when ferdinand was going sign the contract afterwards on <laughs> bt sport um that was great and that season was great he steadied the ship but that is the point Man United should have said, right, thanks, Oli, but we need somebody we can actually win the league at exactly. the helm. And they've got themselves. I don't know why. I don't know whether it's because there's a lack of... I know we, you've said we assume that Ferguson is still quite involved with decisions made at Man United, but mm. the higher-ups at the club, like Ed Woodward, and um, I forget the guy that's going to take over him as CEO... Um, I can't remember what his name is. No, um, no. Somebody, 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 Arnold. Um, Richard Arnold. Ne- Richard Arnold. I think it might be. Yeah. Uh, but neither of those are f- traditionally football people. They mm. are they're commercial. Businessmen. They're mm. businessmen. Um, Arnold has a bit of history in rugby, I think, but not in football. Um, and like all the decisions that are being made, 
feel like um, safe business options because they don't want uh, like the stock price of Man United to waver too much. Like, we'll just keep the status quo. We'll keep Oli in. Mm. We'll keep Bai for another three years. We'll we'll keep Matter because he's good around the dressing. Like, it's like they don't want to like. I think drop, they are afraid to. Bomb on it. I think they are afraid to sack him. You know, to yeah. to to lose another manager. Um, after obviously Mourinho and and Moyes and Van Gaal, since Ferguson, it's never worked. And I think, I think I they still are maintain that, that Moyes was dealt a properly duff handed. He was, he? yeah, definitely. But they're not Manu aren't a sacking club, are they? Mm. Like even I know they sacked Moyes, but that was only for what like two games for the end of the season. Like they're not the kind of clubs since you know ever to sack a guy mid season and then mm. right the ship then. But everyone can see. That is what United desperately need to fix this season. Otherwise, I think if if time. they keep if they keep Solskjaer, they're not. I I don't think they'll get top four. I really don't. I'm not sure. No, I, I don't they'll be likely to get top ten under Solskjaer <laughs> right now. Like they are spiraling. I reckon they could, reckon they could finish a dizzying height of eighth or something. Yeah. But yeah, it, like it's but, up to them what they do. If they want to keep him, then fair enough. We'll I'm sure we'll all take that. I as mean, well. the number the names on the free agent manager list it literally stops and end, starts and ends with Conte. I think. Yeah. Um, uh, Zidane has said that he's not interested in managing in the Premier League. If that quote is reliable, that's one that's been doing the circuit uh, doing the circuits um, recently. I don't think but, he'd be the right man for it. It has to. Well, be Conte. yeah, I think in terms of. Literally, like grabbing the entire squad by the scruff of the neck and saying, "Sort this shit out." It's Conte. Yeah, Conte mm. is the man. Yeah, and I know he's. I know personally speaking to some colleagues of mine that are Man United fans, they're worried that Conte's got a history of being only a sort of one, two, three year um, manager at a club. I think that's what. And I said, but I said, but I said, even if that is the case, like in those two to three years. He'll flip and sort like mm. he'll sort out. So whoever is going to take over and could be the next long term manager will have a much like steadier and sturdier foundation to build the next era of exactly. Manchester United upon. Um, con- within eighteen months, like Conte's a serial winner. He's proven it time and time and again. And even when he's his teams are not winning things, they're so well organized. They've got such a clear identity, um, and they're so well drilled. And that like. He Conte also... just takes the game sit like it, it seems like I'm so I'm sure Solskjaer takes the game seriously. But do you know what I mean when I say Conte takes the game seriously? <laughs> do you know what I do? Know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the thing with Conte as well is that he has in the Premier League a history of changing things up when it when it's not working and then delivering a literal Premier League title. Like in the first kind of eight nine, he games he turned of the Victor season. Moses into the best right wing exactly. back in the Premier League. Like if, if, if that's on his own, is like you know he could turn Wambasaka into the best right back in the world. Um, but you know he proved there that in the first kind of eight nine games a season, he went four at the back and he tried to kind of incorporate all the players that he thinks like Chelsea fans would want to see, and it wasn't working. You're winning a few games, losing a few games. It wasn't consistent, and he thought, "Fuck this, we'll go three at the back. We'll write the sh- defensively." And then since then, we won like nine games in a row, beating Man City away and all sorts. Like it was that run changed the entire season. And that's what United need so desperately. And Solskjaer has not got the nous to be able to do that, despite how good this current first 11 for United is. Mm. He hasn't got the capabilities to make those changes because he doesn't want to upset everyone else in the squad. He's a people pleaser and changing things around because it's not working is not what the players are going to respond well to because he's not got that power. So yeah. they're in the shit until they fix it, and they're not going to fix it unless yeah. they change manager. 
vicious cycle. Uh, right, I'm gonna ask should you. Should we talk about something bets. more positive, Nick? Soon, uh, should we get on to? Uh... Oh, get on to Norwich. <laughs> yeah. um, I want you both to place your bets on when, if at all, Solskjaer might still be here in May. Uh, when Solskjaer will be fired, I'm gonna go first. I think it will be after the Man City game at home on Saturday, the sixth of November. I think they're gonna spoiler for later. Gonna scrape a draw against Spurs. Hmm. They'll. Probably beat Atalanta in the Champions League, but then they'll get absolutely battered at home by Man City again, and that'll be it. Uh, well, actually, that's a good that's a good shout there, actually, just because that is before the next international break, isn't it? Yes, it is. We've got two weeks. So that makes sense. Watched. However, mm. I did send a screenshot to our normally NFL chat, didn't I? I think he'll get sacked after Watford because they've got a history of sacking managers after their games. Um, and mainly because my negative vibes. They'll sack you after me after Watford. The next game is the next Chelsea. Game's Chelsea. <laughs> and it's like they'll have the post Solskjaer resurgence and beat Chelsea like away and I'll be like shit. So I think it'll be <laughs> after if the you, the sensible shout is before the break, because then the manager's got two weeks to sort things out. But I think my head says it's gonna be after Watford. It's gonna be in, in November, I can guarantee that. Hmm. Do you think he'll be still be here in, in May? I can definitely see that. I could see that happening. Um, both of your guys make sense there. I think Watford was the one that I had in mind, Reese as well. I think I think what'll happen is Ollie'll will get he'll scrape some results against well, hopefully he loses against Tottenham, but I think he'll probably get enough from Tottenham, Atalanta and City <clears throat> somehow to, to survive. And then I can see, I said it weeks ago, that Watford will be the one that kills him out of all these fixtures. Watford will be the one that, mm. that does it. So that's that's my gut instinct, is the Watford one. But I, I, I would not be surprised if he's still here at the end of the season somehow. Mm. Well, we shall see, and um, the football world is watching with bated breath, as is the entirety of the red half of Manchester. Do you want some um, breaking news when we move on to our next segment? I think. Is it Man City? Yes. Yeah, Man City's... Oh, they're out, yeah, yeah. Reign of the Cairo Cup is over. <coughs> They've just won lost... five years out yeah. of last six. And... They haven't lost a game in the League Cup since 2015. <laughs> and they've just lost one. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable scenes. Well done, West Tottenham. Tottenham's to lose this year. <laughs> Are you three oh, do you, want, do you want some more breaking news from yeah. Marcus Rashford's Twitter account? Oh, yes. Quite mm-hmm. re- relevant from what we're just talking about. I can't lie to you. Haven't heard from me on here because as a United fan, I didn't really know what to say after Sunday. I was embarrassed. I am embarrassed. Our fans are everything and you didn't deserve that. We're working hard to try and fix this. We have to redeem ourselves. I think he is a good egg, and I mm. think that's another thing with Salt. The way the, when he said oh, Rashford needs to, stick to concentrate on his football. What oh, a Tory thing to say, the little. <laughs> 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 um, the why would you have, you have an iconic like, young black footballer at your team who is leading the country? Basically, who's literally feeding, yeah. feeding tens, feeding tens of thousands of. Why don't Salt try to stick to his job? And actually manage a fucking football team. Jesus Christ. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Right, moving swiftly on then. Uh, We'll go into the game week 10 predictions. 
Now, I wasn't here last week, and so I've got Ooh, a bit yeah, of catching, up, like? bit of catching mm. up to uh, to do to let you know uh, how it's all going. So, after game week eight, so on last week's show, I should have t- been here to tell you all that, uh, Jake, you t- created a bit of a gap between yourself Ooh. and the rest of the field. Jake, you were ahead on 48 points, I was on 43, and Reese was on 40. Mm-hmm. And then going into this week, I've made somewhat of a comeback. Um, so Jake you are still out ahead on 53 now Uh Uh, I'm on 52 so I got 9 points this week Uh, and Reese, you are your third (laughs) (laughs) 44 can I just can I just ask why do we why do we let this Welshman tell us what results are going to be and what fantasy players to sign (laughs) (laughs) My credentials are being slowly just <laughs> rotting there needs to away be a, the there needs to be a, there'll be a board meeting in the off season. Who would you rather uh, who would you rather have managing your team? Reese Bowen Jones or Solskjaer? <laughs> we'll do a poll on the Twitter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Reese, I'd back you. I'd go. Cheers, mate, thank you. <laughs> Good. Um but uh to kick off the game week ten action, um uh, the lunchtime kickoff on Saturday. Uh, <clears throat> Leicester are hosting Arsenal. Um, Jake, mm. go to you on this one to kick us off for our previews. What are we looking out for here? So, historically, this is a very inconsistent fixture. Pretty much back and forth between the two of them in, in recent years. Um, both won a game last year out of the two. Um very inconsistent season for both so far as well. So it's it's a tricky one to predict based on, on paper and what you look at there. Um I'm I'm feeling some kind of big result here, I think. I'm not sure which way it'll swing, but for me I'm 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 really happy to see the turnaround that Leicester have, have had of late. Uh, it's really good to see Yuri Tielemans and, and also James Madison hitting form as well now. Mm. Um, they do. Leicester really look to be hitting their stride, whereas Arsenal seem to be getting the results through a lot of hard graft and a bit yeah, it's not very glamorous. No, no yeah, that's it. They they don't look like they're deserving this turnaround as much as Leicester do. Leicester are really kind of kicking on and, and putting the the passion into it. So I'm going to go for. A, a decent Leicester three-one win to start Ooh. the weekend on a high. That's interesting. Uh, Reese, what are you going for? It's a tricky one because I think they've both been inconsistent, but I think they're both starting to show, like you've just said, you know, signs of recovery. Mm. And obviously, they are literally identical this season, apart from goals. Leicester have scored more goals, but also conceded more goals. So, I think it's going to be high scoring, but I think this is probably going to be. A one-all draw. One-all draw. Yeah, I've gone for a draw as well, but I've gone for a two-all draw. Mm. Um, I think both teams are just conceding goals yeah. and scoring goals, so um, that screams a high-score draw to me. Um, some more breaking news from the the uh, Twitter account of Marcus Rashford. Just whilst <laughs> we were talking about then, um, if you haven't seen it today, um, Josh Cavallo, uh, a player for Adelaide United. Uh, oh, yeah. in Australia became the um, first top flight, openly gay top flight footballer in the world. There's not another um, gay footballer who, or openly gay footballer in any top uh, flight in any country in the world. Um, 
and that, like you were just saying, Jake, about Marcus Rashford being a top egg, I've mm. seen loads of people sharing their, their support of Josh, and quite rightly so. It's an absolute, it's amazing and astonishing that there still needs to, he still needs to come out and say these things and, and justify who he is to people. Um, but that is the world we live in, unfortunately, and hopefully Josh is um, coming out to, to the football world and the world uh, today will encourage more people to come out because I'm sure they're out there and I hope people feel confident uh, enough one day to to say so. Yeah. Um, but as you said, Jake Marcus Rashford, absolute good egg. Um, as I say I've seen loads of people in, in, interacting with this, but just this tweet from Rashford uh, summed up what we were saying about him. Um, I know this took a lot of courage, Josh. Know that the entire football community stands with you. Enjoy your freedom now. Enjoy your peace. So much respect for you, brother. And I think he just has such a way with words, Rashford, that um, it really cuts through to the wider, fo- not just the footballing world, but um, the uh, not just football pa- football fans, I should say, but everybody. Like mm-hmm. Everybody in the, in, the, in, the, in the country knew who Marcus Rashford was after this last year that he said, mm-hmm. whether you follow football at all or not. Um, and, well, keep fighting the good fight, Marcus. And, yeah. uh, Give him the job. Yeah. Give him the United job. <laughs> do you reckon? Why not? <laughs> you you um, can do everything. Yeah, but, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up as well because it was uh, good to... Uh, it was great to see earlier that mm. uh, Josh Cavallo did that statement and I just wanted to reinforce the point that Rashford is, mm-hmm. in fact, a good egg. Uh, but we'll carry on with our um, game week predictions. Uh, first, the Saturday 3 click three o'clock kickoffs reese oh it's the battle of the bees burnley versus brentford very much so um this was a game i was dreading i'll be honest guys um uh, brentford have seemed to have stalled ever so slightly they've lost two games in a row yes one of them was against chelsea and they were unfortunate not to win that one the other one was against leicester and i think they weren't as good as against chelsea as they were against Le- as against Leicester. They were a bit more disjointed. Leicester deserved to win that game, despite the fact that Brentford Brentford scored. And it just feels like the season has kind of levelled out. Like, they obviously had a great start to the season, winning three games, but, you know, they've won three, drawn three, and lost three. Like, they're about as inconsistently consistent as you could possibly get as far as um, a team goes. I think they have kind of settled into where I think they'll finish at the end of the season, just like a middle of the road. They had a solid season as their first year in the Premier League. They won't get relegated, but they'll just be very content in the middle of the park. Whereas Burnley are still looking for their first win of the season. Um, they look And better. they've played Norwich, so I don't know where Norwich. it's going to come exactly. from. <laughs> and the run of the games at the minute, they've got Chelsea coming up soon. They've got Spurs. They've got uh, West Ham. They've, they've got some decent games coming up to where they could win some points. Maybe against Newcastle potentially or Palace, but yeah, they have they don't have the easiest run of games. It's very much, in, you know, consistent. Um, but Burnley are they were looking slightly better against Burnley, many thanks to uh, is it Maxwell Cornet? Is that his name? Maxwell Cornet. Yeah, yeah. He had a great performance and he scored a lovely second goal to equalise for uh, Burnley against Stampton. But I think that was just a very evenly matched game, just a high, a good high intensity game that. They was they showed a bit more than they've shown so far this season. Um, I can't see them kind of continuing that form against Brentford. I think Brentford will have a bit too much for them. I think Brentford are going to want to try and right their ship somewhat um, to kind of get them back up into the move of the top half because that's the kind of state of play the league's in right now. Um, but I'm going so I'm going to go for a one nil Brentford win. <laughs> After all that. 
Um, yeah. I'm going to go for a, a, a one more goal. I'm going to go for a one-all draw. Mm-hmm. Um, Burnley at home are tough to play. Um, and like you said, this Brentford's season, the, the, the star hasn't fallen, but like you said, they've settled into where probably yeah. most people expect them to finish. Um, but they're really hard to break down themselves. Um, so I don't see Burnley going out and scoring a load of goals, but equally... You could say exactly the same about Burnley. They're very well, very well, very well drilled. Maybe not as much this year as previous years, but um, they're still a tough team to break down. So one all draw. I could have made this my my nil nil, but I've got a, a Jake. I wonder if it's going to be for you, but um, I've gone for a one all draw here. Uh, I haven't. I haven't got any nil nil draws this week. Ooh, weirdly, first? it could be. Yeah, um, it is going to be a, a a tight game. I think both teams are pretty well organised at the back. Both teams don't seem to be showing much promise up top either. Um, but for me, I think Brentford have got enough to nick a 1-0 win. A win. Okay. Um, next in the three o'clock kickoffs on Saturday, Liverpool are hosting Brighton. Um, we spent a while talking about how bad, obviously, Man United were earlier. Um, but what shouldn't be ignored is how good Liverpool were. Hmm. Um, one of their better performances of the season, but not still like we said, uh, not the best performance they've put in. But if you just look at how some of their players are playing right now, we said Mo Salah is the best player in, he's definitely the best player in the Premier League right now. I think him mm. and Lewandowski are battling out for best player, the title of best player in the world right now. Um, Trent Alexander Arnold looks like the best right back in the world right now. Uh, sorry, sorry, Reese for the uh, uh, James. The Reece James D. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, but it's not just them. If I look at somebody like Henderson, it's good. He's back and back to full fitness and playing like as good as he has. Having Van Dyke back, Van Dyke is cementing his reputation again as the best centre back in the world. Allison looks unbeatable. Mm-hmm. Uh, even players like Bobby Firmino, who there's rumours that he might be the odd one out in this, the coming summer in terms of mm. if they want to replenish that front line and sign Salah to a new contract, which, by the way, Liverpool should just put a blank piece of paper in front of yeah, him. What do you want? Yeah. Half a million um, a week is, is yeah. cheap for what they've yeah. got there. You cannot yeah. replace that. Yeah. But Firmino's having his best season in a Liverpool shirt for a while, I think. Um he was. He didn't score again, did he? No, he didn't score against United. But his link-up play was, which is mm. Firmino's forte, really. I don't think you buy him for his goal-scoring record. You buy him for the way he uh, links up with his fellow strikers and brings mm. that drops a bit deeper into midfield and acts as that link between the two phases of the attacking play. He's having his best season for a, for a while. He's keeping Mane on the bench um, against United, and when you can keep a player like Sadio Mane on the bench, like. <laughs> Must be doing something right. Yeah. So Liverpool, Liverpool at the minute. Um, Chelsea looked like the best team in the league for the first month of the season, but since then Liverpool look. I think Liverpool look like a team sort of on their own at the minute. I put sort of City and Chelsea on par with one another, and then I put Liverpool out ahead on their own. I think they look unstoppable at the minute. Um, to counteract that, Brighton. Um, like I said about Brentford, um, for me they're early season shine has gone. Um, I wasn't impressed with them at all against Norwich two weeks ago. Um, 
and that's saying something. Um, and then they got absolutely taken apart by City last weekend, especially in that first half. They couldn't even get close to City. Um, and for a couple of weeks now against Norwich and City, they really seem to be lacking sort of a penetrative attacking threat. Like Trossard is the only player that I've seen in both games. I've watched both games where I, who looks like he's going to do anything. He hit the bar against Norwich. He looked like their best attacking threat against um, against Man City. Um I think they're missing Basuma in the centre of midfield. Um, when he'll be back, if he'll be back, we don't know. I don't want to go into that because of any Obviously implications. Um, but um, yeah, they're, they're looking. They're looking like they're going to again, like Brentford, soon slot Come. back into where you expect them yeah. to be. Which for to me at the start of the season was, I think I had them finishing like twelfth or something. Um, which is it would be a good season for Brighton, um, but yeah, that for me very much so their early season shine has gone, um, and that's why I'm predicting a three nil Liverpool win. Um, Reese, what are you going for? Yeah, I'm feeling similar. Like you say, Brighton have not looked like this team they were at the start of the season, and yes, they've already got you know a very tidy what 15 points, which is quite good. Um, they are good. They are just kind of settled back into the team that we thought they were going to be. I'm sure at the start of the year, I was even thinking they're going to be right down there for relegation. So I was very wrong to start with. But they like you, of... to be wrong. Yeah, I know, man. I'm just, I've been so right consistently all, all season. So much. Um, but no, I'm I'm with you, Nick. I think Liverpool are looking impressive at the minute, um, and they haven't had kind of a challenge for a while. Liverpool, so this is not going to be anything more difficult for them. Three uh, nil. Mm, nah, I'm going to go for 3-1 Liverpool. I think Brighton will score. Okay. Uh, G8, what are you going for? Uh, I'm going to copy you this week, Nick. 3-0 Liverpool, I think. Unbelievable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that the, the big issue is the is the lack of a goal threat that Brighton possess at the minute. They, they seem to run out of ideas when it comes to the attacking third of the pitch. Defensively against Brighton, you know, against City, sorry, Brighton's main kind of forte this season has been the defensive kind of unit that they had, and that just fell apart, unfortunately. So I think Liverpool will, will have a bit of fun with Brighton 3 0. Good to see Tarek Lamptey continuing to make his comeback, though. Yeah. It's good. He, he mm. brought, he brought a lot of. Um, again, he's one Energy. of those players. Mm. Yeah, you can feel he's one of those players, like I've said about St. Maximan in the past at Newcastle, where. Even though he's right back, he just when he gets the ball and when he's one making it making one of his darting runs down the right wing, you can feel yeah. the crowd swell when Lamptey's yeah. involved. And when he came on against City, you could feel a sort of he even though three 0 down at half time. Ankles, didn't he? Oh, he did. Very <laughs> yeah. But it's good to see him making his comeback. Like I said, cause he's a he's a very good young young player. Um, Saturday three o'clock kickoffs continue. Man City are hosting Crystal Palace. Reese, what are we yeah, doing here? This, I cannot see anything more than a classic Man City drubbing. Um, Crystal Palace, as I've said in previous weeks, I don't know what it is about them. They are just cursed right now and they can't buy a win. <laughs> Even at the weekend, you thought they won the game and then they got pulled back for a very, you know, understandable pullback in the box by Mark Gahey that uh, negates Benteke's headed winner. Um, but they just they beat themselves. They kick themselves down, and they you know shoot themselves in the foot or whatever you want to say. Like they cannot buy a win, and they're not going to buy a win against Man City, who are 
looking a bit more like the Man City that we're used to seeing. They are scoring more goals. They are winning games quite comfortably. Like four winning against Brighton was very, very, you know, kind of what's the word for it? Underwhelming for Man City. I think they could have scored six or seven against Brighton because Brighton did look mm. poor. Um, and they have shown on occasion, you know, like again in games against Burnley or against Hampton, where they maybe do labour in front of goal sometimes. And Man and Crystal Palace even have shown a little bit of defensive stability in recent weeks. Um, but I can't see. Chris Palace doing anything to stop uh, Man City, so I'm going to go for a another two nil Man City win, but it's going to be a comfy two nil. Comfy two nil. I'm going for Man City to have consecutive four one victories. Ooh. I'm going for Man City four, Crystal Palace one. Uh, for exactly the same reasons you said, Reese. Palace look cursed at the minute. They always seem <laughs> find seem to find a way to concede a goal. Yeah. Um, City, particularly like we mentioned at the beginning of the team of the week, Bernardo Silva looks in great form. Grealish looked probably as good as he has done in a City shirt mm-hmm. against Brighton. Yeah, his best game, yeah. Um, so I think, like all the good teams in the league right now, they're picking up pace, and I ex- don't expect them to stop anytime soon. So 4 1 to Man City for the second weekend in a row. Jake, what are you going for here? Uh, I think. I don't think City are going to concede. I think 4 0. City. I think they're gonna again similar to Liverpool. I think they're gonna have fun against Palace and, and the form of these attacking players. Yeah, Foden was unbelievable as well. Yeah, we forgot to in their game. We mentioned him in Team of the Week, but he was unbelievable against his best performance of the season as well. I think so far. Yeah, um, Reese, another Saturday three o'clock kickoff. Uh, yeah. Your boys are going to St James's Park to, mm. to face Newcastle. Mm. This is one and of those what, fixtures. Are you getting big banana skin energy from this one? Yeah, well, this is one of those fixtures that always does strike fear into the hearts of Chelsea fans, especially when it's at St. James's Park. Every so often they pull out a victory against us. Like there was one in tw- January 2020 when they won 1 0. There's one in May 2018 when they won 3 0. Like there was that year when the double over us when one of them was Cissé scoring those two ridiculous goals against us. That's one of my favourite goals. Yeah. Time. Like Newcastle especially in Newcastle, do pull out these ridiculously good performances. Um, at the minute, I am grateful that, obviously there's no Steve Bruce, but they haven't had their new manager come in yet. Like last week against... Who did they play last week? Let me just double check. Um, Newcastle, Newcastle. Palace. Palace, Palace, Palace thank, week, you. Yeah. thank you. Yeah, they did not look particularly good against Palace. Yes, they got a point. They should have lost it. Palace mm. kind of threw that one away. And they, against Spurs, yes, they had that amazing first five minutes when they scored. And everyone was like, oh my God, the new era is starting. <laughs> and then they reverted back to being Newcastle. Um, and it's just, Newcastle are Newcastle. and But I, they always do f- scare me. The same way as Everton at Goodison Park scare me as a Chelsea fan. Just one of those games that Chelsea should win. And yet we always make it hard for ourselves. I'm hopeful that this, this weekend is not going to be one of those weekends. Um there's no word on Lukaku just yet because he obviously missed the last two games because of an ankle injury. Um, and this, these two games were the, this week were the ones that Tuchel said he won't be fit for, but there was nothing said about Newcastle, so we'll have to wait and see on mm-hmm. that front. If I was a betting man, I wouldn't think he'd play. I think he will stick with um, Havertz up top for the next at least game or two and maybe try and survive until the Newcastle break and see what happens then. Um, but I think... We should be okay. I'm going to go for a 2-0 Chelsea win. 
two nil. Um, but I'm scared about it. I'm gonna one up you and go for a three nil Chelsea win. Yeah. Um, Newcastle, as you said, apart from that five minutes in, in the game against Spurs, <laughs> nothing's changed. No. Um, it won't change until they get the new manager in. That I'm glad to see they're taking their time with it. Um, yeah. And actually making sure that they are getting the right person in. Uh, Fonseca is the man that's uh, been heavily, heavily rumoured. I think he's still mm. the odds-on favourite with all the bookies. I think there was even a picture of him at St. James's Park recently. Was um, there? Yeah, um, which has done, been doing the rounds, but he's not signed yet. Um, interesting choice <laughs> if that is the right man. I'm not sure that necessarily is the man for a Premier League relegation battle. Mm. Um, but we'll see. Um I'm, but is he I'm, the man for a squad who's gonna that's gonna add seven new players in January? Maybe, maybe. Um, but um, yeah, at the minute, nothing's changed at Newcastle and Chelsea coming off the back of last weekend. This should yeah. be the absolutely high high on life and everything else. So they're not going to score as many goals as last weekend, but still a comfortable three nil win. Uh, Jake, what are you going for with that one? That. Um, I think. It's going to be a Chelsea win again. I think they're in too good form for Newcastle, regardless of where the game is. I don't think that matters for a Chelsea team like this at the minute. Um, I do think Newcastle will pop up with a goal, probably Callum Wilson again. Um, 3-1 Chelsea, I reckon. I'm sure Reese would take that. Um, I'd absolutely take that. The last of the three o'clock Saturday kickoffs is Watford versus Southampton. Um, Everton, Man United, and a certain other team we're going to get to talk to about in a minute. Uh, we're probably in a three-horse race for the most embarrassing result of the weekend last weekend. Um, Watford obviously bounced back in style to beat Everton. It took them a while that to get into so the... good, by the way. It was. It <laughs> took them a while to get into the game, I think, uh, and then obviously just blew Everton away in the last fifteen minutes. Um, you could just see the confidence and belief flowing through the team, um, and. Josh King, again, not done anything this season coming out of there and scoring a hat-trick against his former team. Um, but what's, Watford's issues have always been at the other end of the pitch, really. Um, they conceded the third most in the league behind Newcastle and somebody else, which I'm not sure who. Um, <clears throat> they're also playing yellow. Um, Danny Rose had a terrible, terrible time against Liverpool. and They tried a back five against Liverpool and they switched to a back four against Everton. And Adam Messina played in at left-back. Um, but Cathcart and Truce de Kong seem to be the chosen centre-back pairing um, for Ranieri. Um, he's played both of those in both games so far. So this is the kind of game, Southampton at home, that that, u- that defensive unit has to go out and prove itself um, that they can uh, keep other teams at bay to allow Watford's best, better players, which are those in, in the final third of the pitch, um, actually do the business and win points for them. In terms of Southampton, I'm not, I don't think much of Southampton at all this season. Um, they have individual players who've played well all season, most notably, uh, obviously we mentioned him earlier, Livermento at right back has looked like a revelation. But as a unit and as a team, they don't fill me with any confidence whatsoever, really. They score goals, admittedly, but they also can see them like nobody's business. I think they've been in 3-2-2 two, two draws so far this season. Um, they just don't, they just don't, yeah, don't fill me with any confidence at all that game to game they're going to out get a positive result they might get them along the way but i don't go into any game involving southampton's thinking oh yeah this is a game for southampton to get an easy three points from um 
So for that reason, um, I think Watford are going to keep a clean sheet. I think the Watford defensive unit is going to prove themselves, and I think they're going to win 1-0 against Southampton. Mm. Uh, Jake, what are you going for? Um, I don't think Watford will keep a clean sheet. Um, I know what you mean about Southampton, though. I've, there's, there's not really been a game this season where you would ever bet anything on Southampton being the winner. Like I, I think I predicted they'd beat Leeds, but that was a one nil. Apart from their own, that's their own. That's their only win so far this season. Yeah, yeah. but it, it's very difficult to see a game that Southampton will win. Um, I don't think this will be the one. I think Watford will obviously be on a high from last weekend, naturally, and will want to kind of build on that. But I think it'll be it'll be one of those games. This is as close to the nil nil as I could get in terms of <laughs> the the entertainment value. I reckon this one this week. This is my boring game for the weekend. I think it'll be a one one. They're not too boring, but not much fun to watch either. Uh, Reese, what are you going for here? I might oppose you both here, just because Southampton having win. yeah, because having watching mm. them yesterday against Chelsea in the cup, I was really impressed with them. They were a bit against obviously against Chelsea's kind of squad players, but they were really battling all game. And it was you know, they had people like Adam Armstrong, Stuart Armstrong, Che Adams, like making differences going forward. And they had this centre back, I forget his name, like Lianka or something like that. He was just an absolute battle axe at the back for what Southampton. Really, really <laughs> properly getting stuck in and winning loads of 50-50s and just really taking the game to the Chelsea forwards. And I was really impressed with how Hasenhuttles set out the team there. And I think there is a bit of life to them. Like, with players like Livermento and Broho who scored two goals in two games for mm. them. I think they have a bit of life. And I think Watford... Yes, it was an amazing comeback to win 5-2. But if you watch the game on the match of the day, which is what I did, it was like Everton just stopped playing after 10 minutes mm. and, Ever- and Man- uh, Watford took advantage. And I think it was more Everton collapsing than it was Watford storming off to victory, if that makes sense. Um, so I think it's going to be a really exciting game. And I think Southampton might be able to nick it. But I think they will get kind of outscored if it gets anything higher than two goals. So I'm going to go for a 2-1 Southampton win. But if Watford can score more than once, then Watford will win that game. Yeah. Fair enough. 2-1 Southampton. The 5.30 kickoff on Saturday is a game that maybe um, could spell danger for both managers if if it Mm. goes one way or the other. Uh, Mm. Jake, your boys, Spurs, are hosting Manchester United at home. Um, Mm. Is it... it, uh, Has... Um, Nuno quieten the storm a bit, or is this is that still very much circulating around the fan base? I, I think I think he has. I think he has. <clears throat> I've seen. I think the the main issue is that the fan base is a little bit frustrated at the lack of creativity that we've we've got at the minute. Um, I saw that Nuno was questioned about this, and he said he doesn't think that we lack creativity, which is a barefaced lie. We definitely do. <laughs> um, yeah, we we definitely lack creativity at the minute, and to which is such a stupid thing to say because we've got Harry Kane, Son, Mora, and Dombele is playing well again. You know, this should not be a team that lacks creativity and only has well doesn't have a shot in the second half against West Ham. Yeah, yeah um, that's really bad. That is that is really really frustrating, and that is 
the main risk to his job at the minute. But I do think, you know, we we've we're past the panic stations. It's everything's kind of calmed down a little bit. We've won tonight against Burnley to get into the last eight of the cup again. You know, we if we'd have beat West Ham, we'd be in the top four. Um, so you know, it's it's not it's not chaos. It's not crisis. I don't think. This is a game where Nuno could lose his job if we lose this one. I do think it could be one that Oli potentially could lose his job. We know the heat's definitely on him. Who knows what's going to happen in this game? It's another one of those games that's so hard to predict because, you know, Man United might react to last weekend, but I, I really hope they don't. And they I, might I'm throw not... the manager under the bus, you never know. Yeah, this is it. You know, it, usually you do see it that teams react after a result like that, but if there's any team, any squad right now that I would pick that wouldn't react to last weekend, it is this Man United team, I think. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I can see it happening that they would react, but just as equally, I can definitely see that they just won't put the, the, the passion and the drive in to win that game. Spurs definitely need to react to last weekend, but they probably won't either because uh. we lack creativity. Nuno, take note. Um, it's a tough one to call, and I think it could... It could go either way. You know, last season was was a weird um, set of, of games between the two of us. We obviously beat United 6-1 at, at Old Trafford, which was amazing. And then we lost 3-1 at home. So there's not really anything to learn from that last season, apart from that we're probably going to lose because we're at home. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back the boys as I do every single week. Um, my favourite scoreline to predict for Spurs is 2-1 I can see that happening you know if I think Man United will get something but hopefully we've got a bit more than them and we you know we pull our fucking socks up and start actually attacking and and just taking some chances Um, yeah 2-1 an optimistic 2-1 an optimistic 2-1 Reese, what are you going for? This this one has me worried in terms of I think it's the game that Man you are going to pull a win out just because of like you say Jake how unthreatening Tottenham appear to be going forward and Kane looks like as we've said week after week he just looks sedate up top he doesn't really offer anything doesn't move around that much if he does move around he drops too deep away from goal so he's not in the right place to score and he's there's something wrong with, with Tottenham going forward right now. And it's really impacting them as a threat to many teams. And if you if there's one thing man you have got in their arsenal is they can score some goals. Yes, they were embarrassed by Liverpool, but Liverpool have got a good defensive team and they have a they're a good at side kind of goalkeeper to striker that could easily stuff out a team that's disorganised like Man U are. Um and I think Tottenham just haven't got that same threat that Liverpool had against uh, Man U to trouble them. So I think Man U are going to have one of their classic pull things out of the fire a little bit. Ronaldo is going to score. Greenwood is going to score. And I think they're going to win 3-0. Ooh. 3-0 Man U. Blimey, blimey. Well, if that comes to pass, Jake's setting fire to the podcast. And but we'll I'm always wrong, again. so don't worry, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, Reese. actually. No worries, mate. 
It fills fills Jake with more faith of the. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, I'm going for a, nobody wins, nobody loses here. One all. Mm. That doesn't really do anything for anyone. Both teams just continue to wander through purgatory. For I probably uh, to be fair, I probably I probably take the draw. You know, with the I hate that bounce back threat that any team has. Like say from a result like that. Mm. I know I said that I don't. I didn't like Man United a bit. Well, a lot lacklustre and, and probably haven't got the the bottle to come back. But I could see, yeah, a draw would be nice. To be fair, I'd take that at this point. If you offered it me now before the game, I'd take that. Right. Uh, moving into Sunday's games, uh, the two o'clock kickoff. Um, is Norwich hosting Leeds? Now, I hope <laughs> the two of you and the listeners will forgive me if I talk for a bit about Norwich here. I feel free to add your input into this as well, obviously. But the Chelsea result of the weekend seems, or seemed, I should say, like a bit of a turning point for a lot of the fan base, myself included. Um, despite my, the two draws in a row. Despite the two draws in a row. Because what that does is show that those kind of, that, that, those, those draws are meaningless. When you're going to going away from home and getting battered seven nil or losing every week, you have to win your home games against teams like Brighton. You just have to. Um. So whilst it was good in the moment and think, oh, we've doubled our points tally for the season. Um, <laughs> in the bigger picture, it actually does nothing. Um, it it's like, oh, we're building a solid foundation <clears throat> that we can go forward with. Well, we're not because we're going to get embarrassed seven nil next week, the week after. Oh, we're building uh, the team, uh, building a unity between themselves, and everybody's understanding the sit. Well, they're not because they're going and got battered seven nil the next weekend. Mm. Um, my biggest bugbear with it all is the style of play. Um, well, obviously, on a losing streak to start the season, we drew the last two games because Farker decided that right, we need to make our team ourselves tougher to beat, which is fine, logical. You can't beat. You can't lose a game if you don't concede any goals. Mm. Mm. Um, but we're still losing games. And I know Chelsea away is different to Brighton at home. And you can say that, well, obviously, you were going to lose to Chelsea away. But th- there's no point in just setting out to not concede if you're not going to score at the other end. And we look so... There's no threat going forwards whatsoever. If we're going to lose, I'd rather we went out and played like we have done under the majority of Farkas' tenure, where we play a 4-2-3-1 system, we go out and attack, we might lose 4-0, but we're losing 4-0 anyway. Like, so it doesn't really <laughs> matter. I'd rather at least them stick to what they're good at, stick to what Farkas' good at, stick to what got us here in the first place, and actually try to do that. And tied into that, we spent £20 million worth of money in the summer on two wingers, including Christos Jolis, who hasn't played a minute of football for weeks now, despite mm. being widely regarded as one of the most exciting young talents in Europe and someone Farker described as a future £100 million winger. He hasn't played for about four weeks. Um, his last start in the Premier League came in about game week three, I think. Um, and now we've spent all the money on him and Rashica as our two wingers and the two biggest signings we made in the summer. And now we're playing a system that doesn't utilise wingers. <laughs> like, uh, I have no idea what the plan is. There's so many questions need to be put out the door of both Farker and... Stuart Webber. I think in the summer, as is natural with any fan base, when you see new players coming in and you 
watch their highlights on YouTube and read about it from some of the fan bases that they from the clubs they're leaving and stuff. There's natural to be excitement around it. But when I actually look, the Norwich fan base as a whole has actually started to look at what we've got for our money so far this season, and it ain't matching up. <laughs> I tell, mm. I tell you, there's Matthias Norman, a guy we've got on lo- our Norwegian central defensive midfielder we've got on loan from Rostov in Russia, looks like the only player who's worth what we've spent on him. I know we've spent there's a loan fee. I think we spent four million on him to get him for the loan, and then if we stay up, we can add another ten to make it permanent. If we get relegated, that won't be happening. Uh, but he has easily been our best player so far this season. Um, he looks the only player so far. A- capable of playing in the Premier League on a consistent basis um, but recruitment on the whole has been seemingly looks like a bit of a shambles which is the one thing when you're a club like Norwich you have to get right because you're operating in a different as I said but multiple times a different market to a 95% of the other Premier League clubs so you have to get your recruitment right and they haven't there's a weird thing going on with Todd Cantwell at the minute mm-hmm. Fark has got a history of falling out with players generally speaking his man management is excellent but there's always the odd one or two uh, instances throughout a season. In our championship season last season, it was Cantwell again and it was Buendia. He dropped them for three games um, because he said their headspace wasn't right because the summer window was still open and he just flat out refused to play them. Um, Cod Cantwell hasn't played. I think he's made two substitute appearances all season. He's had a bit of an injury niggle in there, but he's also been out for what has been described as personal reasons. And he hasn't trained. Well, Farker says he hasn't trained enough, but Cantwell's been on Instagram saying, posting pictures of him training every every day and stuff. So there's something weird going on with Todd Cantwell. Um, and it all boils down to whether we fire at the minute, whether we fire Farker or not. Because clearly, I think there's enough evidence at the minute to say he is not cut out for the Premier League. For a team like Norwich, if he was in charge, if he was in charge of a team that had more money and could have better players, I think Farker is a really, really good football coach. And I think with a team with more money, if he goes leaves Norwich one day and goes to a Bundesliga team, like I'm sure he could get a middling Bundesliga team with a relative to the rest of the league in terms of money and stuff. He could get them into like the Europa. I have no doubt that. I have no doubt that Farker is a great football coach. But in this setup he's got with Norwich, where he's at such a disadvantage financially compared to um, the rest of the teams in the Premier League. I don't know if he's the right man for this moment that Norwich find themselves in. He's proven he's a great manager. Look at uh, how we've done in the Championship. The last two, two times we've won it, he's absolutely stormed the league. Um, but this moment with Norwich, I'm not sure he's the right man. And do we fire him? It's sort of kind of connected to a winder point that has followed Norwich around like a bad smell this season of are they happy to get to yo-yo between the leagues? Um, so if you say this season is already over, which in all honesty, <laughs> looks like it might be, like even it. though we're only nine, nine, nine games into it, is there a man better placed to get Norwich promoted from the championship again next year than Daniel Farker? Probably not. Um, mm. But then it also feels if we keep Farker in place for this season, the championship is exactly where we're going to be playing next year. There's absolutely no doubt about that. So do you twist in the hope of getting someone new in to try and keep you up? Um, or do you accept that the season is in all likelihood over already, no matter who's in charge, and, get some, um, uh, and, and then allow Farker to, uh, to rebuild it as he has done before? And he's probably would be in the best position to, to, to bring Norwich back up again because under a new management, there'd be a lot bigger turnover and a lot bigger rebuild, you'd imagine. So it really, it's a really tricky question that boils down to what 
Norwich think they are. Um, and I think the next five fixtures will really determine what Norwich are. We've got Leeds at home. We've got Brentford away. We've got Southampton at home. We've got Wolves at home. And we've got Newcastle away. Like, if, and that is a huge if at this point, Norwich can pick up somewhere in the region of like eight to ten points in that run of games, then there's hope. There's a chance that we could feasibly stay up and find three teams that are worse than us this season, let's be honest. <laughs> it's not going to be us being better. It, it's going to be three teams being worse than us. There's a distinction. Um, or at least, if we're not, even if we're not going to stay up, like give ourselves a shot in the arm and of, of, that we could stay up. Um, if we lose to Leeds at home, though, I don't know. Like I said about Ollie earlier, Ollie Solskjaer, there has to be some kind of showing that that kind of result isn't acceptable. Um, but just like Solskjaer, I think Farker will probably get given the next, definitely get obviously given the Leeds game. <sighs> Depending on the nature of how Leeds goes, he'll be given the Brentford game as well. But if it all goes tits up at home to Leeds, um, I think that, <sighs> well, I think as far as the fans are concerned, that could be curtains. It would then require Weber, Stuart Weber to come out and really put it out there into the world that what the plan actually is. Is it right? We know we've fucked up again, like we did two years ago. This is the plan. And e- either way, say, right, we're going to stick with Daniel or we are going to, uh, we're going to have a bit of a reshuffle. Um, and let's be honest, like if there is a must win for Farker, if there's a must win game at home to save your job, this version of this Leeds team is, presents a pretty good opportunity uh, to do so. But with that, it's like a double-edged sword. So, um, Naturally, Norwich fans also see this as a game that at the beginning of the season, you say, right, where are we going to get our 30, 40 points from? Leeds at home needs to be at least a one, a draw, if not three. Um, so if we go into it and we win it, everyone's like, great, we'll give you another game at Brentford. If you lose it, it's like an all or nothing situation, really, on either way. Um, all I want to see from Norwich at the weekend, and I'll be there in person this weekend, thanks to Bet Victor. I'm not, hmm. I can give them a little drop. See, I want some tickets pleasure. from them, so thank you. Um, <laughs> it's to go back to this 4 2 3 1 system and just go for it. We've seen Brentford this season, they've just played like they don't care and they're not scared. Just, just go for it. Try and score goals. I know we've scored two goals all season. We've scored as many own goals as we have actual goals. <laughs> we've got scored as many goals as we've got points. Like, just. Just go out and tr- just go out and play like you have done so often in the past, particularly against Leeds. Farker's got a really good record against Leeds. His best ever performance as a manager, uh, not a team under his management, was for Norwich in our promotion season three years ago. Where we went to Ellen Road and absolutely battered Leeds. Um, 3-0, 3-1 I think it was, but we've absolutely played them off the park. Just go and try to emulate that. If it goes wrong and we lose, we've lost so many games already this season, it doesn't really matter, but at least try. Um, I am now in the camp where if we lose at home to Leeds, I would like to see a change of manager. Mm. Um, I love Daniel Fark with every bone in my body. He's my favourite manager Nigel I've ever had. He's played some of the best football. His teams have played some of the best football Carroll Road has ever seen. Um, and he is genuinely, I think, the most humble and nicest person you could possibly hope to meet. 
um, or to have as manager of your football club. But if we lose at home to Leeds, I'm hard-pressed to find a reason to keep him around. Because even if you do keep him around and you get promoted again next season from the Championship, we're going to be in this situation again in Mm. 18 months' time or two years' time, whatever it is. But I haven't talked about Leeds at all here. I'm not going to. Sorry, Leeds fans, if you're listening. But despite all <laughs> despite all that, I am going to go for Norris to scrape a 1-0 win and score in like, mm. the 84th minute some scrappy goal from the fourth rebound of a corner or something. Like, I don't <laughs> care because I'm, I, I, I can't bring myself to think that I might be there to witness the last game of the Farkett era. So I'm not going to speak that into the universe at all. And I'm going to say that Norwich are going to scrape a 1-0 win and probably in all likelihood delay the inevitable for at least another week. So 1-0 to Norwich. And thank you for allowing me to do my, my little bit there on Norwich. I needed to needed to air some things. Because <laughs> it's... It's been, it's been a rough few weeks. <laughs> That's all right, uh, mate. Yeah, but um, I think how do you two view Norwich in this game in particular? Well, I'm well, like you did allude to, if you're going to win any game this season, winning this one against Leeds is the one you're going to win because it's at Carrow Road. Leeds are in diabolically shit form. Like Bielsa looks every in every interview looks just completely downtrodden. Ideas, he? Yeah. he does like and he just. He doesn't. He's not got the same vigor as he had last season. And you know, against yesterday in the in the cup against Arsenal, they looked poor. Didn't really challenge Arsenal for much. Um, yes, they kind of again did the lead to ring around for a bit, like a half, but then they gave up because it was a goal. And phew, I just Leeds are not the team they are. They were last year. So dare I post seven nil crushing. Dare I say Norwich will bounce back immediately from that? I'm going to say no. Classic. I'm going to go for another nil-nil draw. Oh, God. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Driving all the way to Norfolk. Got my hotel book for the Saturday night. All to see the most drab nil-nil draw at yeah, the end of October. In the yeah. rain, probably. Oh, how fitting. Pathetic fallacy <laughs> in action. Um, Jake, what about you? I, I, do you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna back them. I think they're gonna do it this weekend. You know, it, it needs to happen at some point. They can't not win a game all season, as you both said. This is the one that they, they can win. Leeds look terrible. They haven't got a clue what they're doing. It seems uh, for some reason I don't know what's gone wrong they're there. But it's Bamford, aren't they? Quite bad. Yeah, yeah. That's it. You know, it's. Second season syndrome as well, and just yeah, it's not going well for them. And you know, as as bad as Norwich were last season, uh, last last weekend, sorry, um, we knew they were going to lose. Yes, the manner of the defeat and the scoreline is horrible, but they were always going to lose that game. It's a bit of a write off at the same time. Like the number of goals doesn't really matter. It's still zero. That's the thing. I, d- the I don't mind going and losing away at Chelsea, but it's the manner of it, mm. man. It was just yeah. yeah. So yeah. embarrassing. It, it, you did look absolutely horrible. That was our that was like that was our worst performance of the season, like not even close. But the fact that Norwich mm. are, are now literally a worldwide meme 
and like mm. it's it's embarrassing being a Norwich fan at the minute. I hate mm. it. And that was <laughs> yeah. and that that game against Chelsea was just indicative of like just how what embarrassment Norwich are at the minute. And it was the manner of it rather than the actual defeat. I think you you, you looked sorry, but you looked like a, a shit championship team. No, we did. Chelsea, I can't. I can't. I can't, <laughs> like, I can't. Not I can't even a championship argue. winning team. That I was can't a, argue it. that was a bad performance. But I, I genuinely do believe that the, you'll you'll shake it off for this game. You know, you said Falk is a, a great man manager. I think he'll prove that and and get the team to just do enough. And I I actually back the one nil as well, Nick. I think I can see exactly what you said happening. Um, neither team's ever going to score more than one in this game, but I have. I think there will be a goal, and I think Norwich will nick it. I have so many sleepless nights ahead of me of waking up in a cold sweat, uh, having like Leeds being three nil up after ten minutes or something like. Potentially, oh, yeah. The next next couple of nights going to be awful, but no, they they see. look they look absolutely dead up dead up top Leeds at the minute. I don't think they've got it in them to score against against a team that had everything organised at the back for a bit. So I think you'll return to that organisation and and someone will pop up with a goal. Good. Let's hope so. Because I yeah, mm. I don't think I can stomach being there for the end of the far career. Uh good, right. Because I waffled on for Norwich about Norwich for ages, I'll quickly rustle through Aston Villa versus West Ham and then Reese will go uh, Jake, sorry, will go to you for the last game where mm-hmm. Wolves and Everton. But Aston Villa versus West Ham, I have one big thing to say here. For the love of God, Dean Smith, play Emmy Buendia in the right position. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> I watched their game on Friday night against Arsenal. And as I've said multiple times, being a Norwich fan is terrible right now. But to have to sit there and watch our best ever player be who is holds a special high in all Norwich. We like to admit, oh, we've moved on. Like, he's not our player at like. MWMD was fucking amazing for Norwich. Like, and we all sat there, and I followed loads of Norwich fans on Twitter, and everybody was tweeting, like, what have Aston Villa done to Emmy Brendia? <laughs> Smith is not using him properly. He's never been a number 10. He's never. I saw him playing as a deep-lying midfielder at one point against Arsenal. He was the deepest midfielder in their team. What are you doing? He's a, white, he's a inside forward on the right-hand side, cutting in, creating chances, and... If Dean Smith can't see, I don't know why they signed him to play him as a number 10. Mm. I'm watching him at Norwich. I don't know what they're doing. Dean Smith, for me, is alongside Solskjaer and Farker as the, making up the top three for managers I think are most in danger right now in the league. Um, Villa fans, again, I was dipping in and out of how they were reacting to Buendia against Arsenal because <laughs> I saw how the Norwich fan base was reacting. I wanted to see how the Villa fan base was reacting as well. And there it just did much sort of confusion and thing like what on earth is Smith doing? Like this is such a it, uncoordinated team. There's no identity. There's no coherence between tactics. It's a bit of a mess at Villa right now. Um, conversely, West Ham, Moyes is, Moyes is really proving himself to be a, a really, really good manager. Mm. Um, his against Spurs, they were so well drilled. They looked dangerous going forward again, which is something they hadn't done for a couple of weeks. Um, Antonio scored again, which is obviously great news for them and him. And oh, I, I, again, I just I see this as a complete mismatch at the minute on current reform. So I'm going to go for a three-one West Ham win. I just think Aston Villa are uh, in 
in as poor a form as anything. Results wise, they might not be. I don't I haven't looked at the recent results, but just the way they played against Arsenal and the way that I've seen Villa fans reacting to it, they're just in mm. throwing their arms up in the air and just confusion in the minute as to what well, the hell's going on. They've lost three in a row, haven't they? Yeah. Have Admittedly, their last four games have played. Like, they played Man U. They beat Man U to be fair, but then they lost to Spurs, lost to Wolves, lost to Arsenal. Um, yeah. They're in a the bit of a shit run right now to be fair Tyron Mings is playing like an absolute calamity at the minute he, he is, looks yeah. like he's going to make a mistake every single game um, which is not what you want from your your um, centre back and their, their, mid, their midfield is just completely absent the front yeah. the forward line's got no they don't seem to have any chemistry yet and I know I don't know whether they're trying to force square pegs in round holes which they are with Brendia but I think they are with Ings and Watkins and Bailey as well like they've just got n- they can't figure it out at the minute. So, yeah, 3-1 West Ham. Reese, what are you going for score-wise? I could see a West Ham win as well. Um, they've been kind of scraping wins at West Ham, haven't they? They've been, like, they beat Spurs 1-0. Everton, they beat them 1-0. They, you know, beat West, beat Leeds 2-1. Like, this, it's a bit close shaves at these games. But, like you said, West Ham are... They're winning games. They're playing well, and they are. They have a good squad, and they've got a good side to them. So I'm probably going to go with you and say a West Ham win, but I think it's going to be another close, like two-one West Ham win. Yeah, I did have two-one down written down initially, but then as I was talking about Emmy Brendia, I was getting more mad, so I was going to go three-one. <laughs> Embarrassing, even, more, even okay. more spiteful. Yeah, uh, Jake, what are you going for? <clears throat> Uh, yeah, echo what you guys have said. Villa are looking really poor at the minute. West Ham are back on track and, and look really good. They are very, very organised, as we saw against Spurs. I said Ogbonna was the epitome of that, but the whole team just seemed to know what to do to, to neutralise Spurs. Um, I, I think it will be a West Ham win. I do think Villa have got goals in them, though. I don't think it'll be a, a, a goalless affair for Villa. I think, did you say 2-1, Reese as well? Yeah. Yeah, I think two one to West Ham as well. Unfortunately, I can't can't see a three, but I do think there'll be goals for both sides. Yeah, two one West Ham. Right, Jake, see us out with the Monday night football. Wolves are hosting Everton. Mm, um, so so looking back at this fixture over the years, and especially last season, Everton have always had the best of, of Wolves teams. Uh, they did the double over Wolves last season, but Everton. They've just lost the plot at the minute. Um, they look very, very vulnerable, and Wolves on the on the you know conversely are looking more and more solid every week and and seem to be picking up results. Um, I don't think I don't know. It's a tough one to predict this one. I think they they are quite evenly matched. Although obviously Everton are moving backwards and Wolves are moving forward. I think they've kind of met in the middle at the minute. Um, I do think Wolves have got enough, though. I think they'll, I think they'll continue their run. I think it'll be tight. I think Wolves will, will take a one-nil win at home. I think they've got just enough to take this one. I had to get my one copy of you in for this week, Jake. I've also gone for a one-nil <laughs> Wolves win. <laughs> had to keep the tradition tradition going. Yeah, it, uh, it It's fine. Reese, what are you going for to close us out? Your score prediction on this one. Yeah, well, Everton, do you know who the last win against was in the season? When their last win was this season? Yeah. Uh, mm, 
Was it at home to a team wearing <laughs> yellow and green by any chance? <laughs> it was actually. Fuck like, off. They've, yeah, they beat Norwich two 0 but then since then they've drawn to Ma- drawn to Man lost to West Ham and lost to Watford in a row. It's like, yeah, they've hit that form that I was. The one thing I was right about this year was that Everton played shit teams to start the season, looked great, but then once they started playing decent teams like the West Hams and like quote unquote the Man used the world, even though that was a good one or draw for them. Um, they've just been found out was not quite as good as they thought they were. Um, and I think Wolves, like you've all said, Wolves are approaching. They've had a bit of a good run. You know, they've won three of the last four uh, after a rough, after a rough start. They haven't got many goals in the Wolves, so they do tend to scrape wins. And Everton do leak goals, but there's anyone else in the league. So I'm going to go for a one nil Wolves win. The same as you two. Yeah, absolutely. Let's see it out. Right. Um, Reese, too obviously in tradition at this point. See us out. See us into into our our closing music once you take us to (laughs) your fantasy football corner. It it was a great week for fantasy this week, to be fair. Just across the league, across the whole sport, it felt like everyone was scoring points. Um, I think you said some. You sent us like the team of the week across the entire of the league, as in like the whole of fantasy, and you could have had nearly 170 points if yeah, you had the best team out, which is just a ridiculous amount of points. Um, so if you had people like Amy Masters and Goal, Reese James, Mason Mount, Mo Salah, Foden, Josh King, you were on for a winner. Um, but in our league, it was very exciting. We've had, we've got a new fourth place team. <laughs> That I have said a few of. weeks in a row now. I know. That fourth place position of the Champions League places is super competitive in our league. So the top three is the same as it always is. Congrats once again to Sean Alexander, um, who is top with a very good 6-4-7. He's pulling away a little bit. Um, in second place is Brilliant. Sam Platt's by FC, who has got 6-2-1. But Sam Platt was our league's highest scoring team of the week well so done, well done Sam. with a very impressive 111 points um and in third place was santan david mcgoldrick with 591 so it does feel like top three has kind of settled itself in but obviously like if you, Liv- you liverpool chelsea these... and city of our league yeah we do yeah. have which one is which though that's the question mm. you've got to decide um so that, that those three are pretty much set in stone at this point, unless something major happens. However, only one point behind the third place, so it's, there is threat there. The third place is our new entrant. It's Sharp Jawline FC or Jared mm-hmm. Morris with a ah, very yes, good this Jared. week, hundred and three points to take a total of five ninety, and he's one point clear of fifth place Keith FC. So a very well done and welcome to the Champions League places, Jared Morris. Um, see if you can hold on to that spot more than anyone else has. The previous fourth place member was Kieran McQuana's Kai is the Limit. He had a quote unquote bad week with only 73 points. Only 73? Right. I know. On, embarrassing. Kieran. I know. Dropped right down to sixth place. Um, so that was a bit of a calamitous week. But for us three, mm. our best week as a collective for the whole season, I'm still bottom of our three. I'll take, I'll say that up front. However, I've climbed right up to 24th. I was in the dawn, it was like 30-something last week, but I'm now up to 24th. We're going to get a nosebleed. About... Really. I know, man. <laughs> with a very good 87. Um, Jacob is just above me at 22nd with 474, but he only had 58 this week. He had one of the worst kind of teams of the week, I suppose, in our league. 
Um, but then ahead of him in 21st, so you two are ne- like very close together, you had the best week of us three with a very good 91 points. I mistakenly um, played my, um, what was it called? Free hit. You a free, I thought yeah. I was playing my wild card and played my free mm. hit, but it worked out in hindsight. Exactly. Um, I played my free hit as well because I took a gamble and I free hit uh, Kane as a replacement for Lukaku for this week. And it just didn't go to plan, did it? No. Nope. Um, but it doesn't matter because I captained Salah. And if you captain Salah, you're onto a winner. <laughs> That's what uh, I did as well. <laughs> he was outrageous. He had 48 points as captain. I'm sure people out there did triple captain him to get, what, 60-something points from Salah. Um, as ever, make sure you've got Salah on your team because he is in the form of his career right now. Um, and once again, my biggest tip is to get a Chelsea defender. It doesn't matter which one because they all seem to rotate. You've got your best kind of luck with a fullback, like a Chilwell or a Reese James, or even Aspilicueta to a point, um, to get some points out of them. But Chilwell at the minute, he is the defender in the best form in the league. He's had, you know, 10 point plus games for the last four weeks, five weeks, something like that. Just a ridiculous yeah. form from him. Um, so congrats to our regular top four. And well done, Nick, on a very good 91 points much. this week. The one thing I've done ahead of this next week, and I think, uh, is I've I've um, picked up um, Bernardo Silva. I think he's in really good form. Mm. He's really contributing in that City team now. Man City players are a bit of a risk because Pep likes to rotate. Um, he does. I think I've, I've picked up Silva. I'm hoping he's going to be good for me in the coming weeks. I good. was trying to find a way to fit Foden into my team this week because I had Pogba, and he's obviously now out of the game. Picked up for three weeks. So yeah. I've had to sacrifice him for Grealish. And Silver, relatively, it. compared to a lot of the other big-name midfielders, quite a, a little bit cheaper as well. So that's mm. why, why I went for him as well. Yeah. Uh, good. Um, breaking news to finish off the show. Mm. Um, I think it's what I've seen as well, which is very exciting. It's what Man United should have done at mm. this point. Uh, but Ronald Koeman has been sacked by Barcelona this evening after they... Uh, lost in the league to Rayo Valencia. Is it official or is that just what like two people um, say? Well, transfer guru himself, Fabrizio Romano, has, has announced <laughs> it. Um, so, uh, statement expected soon as per sport, um, apparently, okay. according to Romano. So, Barcelona have acted like any big club with uh, any kind of standard and any kind of cutthroat nature you need to win anything. I've decided that their club legend manager... Um, is not cutting the mustard for them and they've decided to be proactive rather than reactive and sit on it for a number of weeks until inevitably nothing happens and they have to do what they should have done eight weeks previous. And on that note, that is the end of <laughs> the uh, Gold Math Ramble podcast this week. Thank you to Reese and Jake as always and thank you to you for listening. Uh, we'll be back next Thursday as always to review next week, uh, review and preview next week's action. But until then... Enjoy the football this weekend. I hope I will do at Carrow Road cold and probably very miserable Carrow Road. But as I said, until next time, uh, keep safe and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.